Hey, everybody, it's Haley from the Sunshine and Color podcast, where we talk about everything from body image to business to just real world adulting and so much more. And I'm super excited to have Garrett Bass on for our episode today. And he is a therapist based out of Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm just so excited. It's actually our first male on the podcast. So woohoo for that. And um, we're going to be talking about the interaction between substance abuse and eating disorders. So this is something that's not really often talked about, and we're going to dive into that a little bit later. But Garrett, I'm so excited to have you here, and I would love if you kind of give everybody an introduction. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for for having me. So um, yeah, my name is Garrett Bass. I am a therapist in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been working in the world of eating disorders for probably about four and a half years. Um, Super passionate about it. Um, I am an ALC. I'm under supervision currently by Michelle Pruitt. Um, She's an amazing LPCS in the Birmingham area. And I am also an NCC National Certified Counselor. Um, And just as a disclaimer, anything that I'm talking through today does not constitute like professional therapeutic advice and is not a substitute for actual therapy. I think everyone can benefit from therapy. So um, if you're not doing it, you should check it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So this, this podcast is just kind of another helpful resource. And if you're interested in it, we're here to just kind of talk about an open up conversation about it and definitely encourage seeing a therapist, especially if some of this kind of resonates with you a little bit more on a different level. So yeah, kind of want to dive into our topic today um, and just say that, you know, in the world of eating disorders, there's and disordered eating, there's a lot of topics that aren't talked about and kind of lie beneath the surface of those who are struggling. And we see anxiety and depression oftentimes linked with eating disorders, but not often do we see other addictions or habits that people may also deal with during the recovery process or kind of during their lowest points or just along with that. And uh, me and Garrett had a discussion a while back talking about this topic. Um, And then we thought it would be a good idea to open up the floor on the interaction between substance use and eating disorders. So Garrett, how does this work? Do you see a lot of people start with, you know, maybe they're struggling with substances and what are those substances? Is it alcohol, drugs, um, or what comes first kind of, um, yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? And kind of what do you see most? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I really, I think it can go either way. And when I think about like how I even got into this world, I I initially was interested in um, working in the substance use realm, but somehow I fell into the world of eating disorders and and really fell in love with it. And it was through that that I realized, oh, there's like so much overlap between these two things. And I don't know if there's necessarily one like direction that it tends to go of if it's like the eating disorder and then the substance use comes in or vice versa. I think the the main thing I have learned is just how much those two presentations like have in common. Um, So oftentimes you'll see like a root cause uh, between both of them. So whether it's like a desire to numb emotions, whether it's a desire to avoid uh, pain and distress, um, you you tend to see 
substance use and eating disorders going hand in hand in that regard. And so in that sense, like I, I think for some people, one could come before the other, but oftentimes like they're, they're stemming from the same root, root mm. issue. Yeah, that makes sense because when you think about it and for those who might not know, and I guess we could explain a little bit more kind of if they haven't listened to the podcast before, eating disorders are rooted in a lot of similar, because it is an addiction and a lot of similar habits kind of come with that, with numbing and and trying to cover up something that's underlying beneath the surface. So yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> Yeah. And the emotion regulation piece is also a big component of it, right? Like mm -hmm. using some sort of external thing, whether it is an eating disorder behavior or it's um, a substance to regulate your emotions, either to, um, you know, feel things like that's something I hear a lot from my clients is like, I, I use behaviors, I use substances to, to feel or on the flip side, like, I use behaviors or substances because what I'm feeling is too overwhelming and I want to shut it off. And so mm. um, I think from that perspective, like the, the management and regulation of emotions is a huge component of, of both eating disorders and substance use. Yeah, definitely. And emotions can be confusing because you don't know, sometimes if you don't know what the emotion is, it's hard to deal with that and know what to do with the way that you're feeling. Um, so I guess if you're experiencing fear or anger or something like that, you lean into a different behavior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That lack of emotional, um, you know, it's funny we use, um, I've used an assessment before it's called the difficulties in emotion regulation scale, and it breaks down emotion regulation into a couple different components, but, um, two of them that kind of go hand in hand, but there's a distinction between them is like lack of emotional clarity and also lack of emotional awareness. And so oftentimes folks who um, are dealing with substance use or eating disorders might have that emotional awareness piece. Like they, when they feel something, it's, it's, they know it, um, mm -hmm. but it's the emotional clarity that can often be kind of tricky. And so you're right, like you might be feeling fear or anger or anxiety, and you might not necessarily be able to pick out that specific emotion, but your body instantly reads it as bad, right? Like mm. I am feeling a significant amount of anger and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna register that as a threat. And so I'm gonna use something, whether it's a behavior or a substance to, to shut that off because that is, that's scary, that's dangerous. Um, and so, yeah, that like lack of emotional clarity can be a pretty big um, influence in the development of like disordered eating or um, risky substance use, things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think something that I've thought about is like, does, if something's not working, like if the substance use isn't working, leaning more on the eating disorder, or if the eating disorder is not working, leaning more on the substance use kind of do those happen yes yeah behavior swapping um is definitely a big thing <laughs> we, we see mm -hmm. like and not just with with those two pieces so i mean yeah we're looking at eating disorders we're looking at substance use but we also could be looking at things like self-harm or even other like behavioral addictions um shopping mm -hmm. is a big one especially with folks who deal with both eating disorders and substance use when it feels like their two main like coping mechanisms are taken away 
oftentimes like that's when the credit card debt can can rack up and and things like that so mm. um yeah like when you think about it and you think about how the brain works and like the reward dopamine circuits um when you're having repeated uh like external um synthetic increase in dopamine your your brain and your body's going to get used to that and so when those external methods of like regulating your brain's reward circuits are taken away like you're you're going to want to use something else to to create that same effect and so yeah like when you have something that is either no longer an option or you're trying to decrease a certain behavior other things are going to pop up and so i think that's why in eating disorder treatment, I think it's so important to focus on all the methods of, of, you know, regulation and like maladaptive coping that are used. Because if you just focus on one, it's like whack-a-mole, like it's going to pop up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It is so intertwined to every little thing. And because it's, I mean, it's your brain, it's your everything attached to everything. And so, um, yeah, because when I was struggling, you know, it made me, I mean, I had, you know, anxiety and I struggled with all of that. And I think it made me want to control different aspects of my life in different ways besides food too. Um, and so, yeah, I can definitely see that. And so when someone is struggling with both substance use and disordered eating, what are, um, I guess, symptoms or signs that you can be looking for? Um, how does this impact your, your life, your health, your well-being? Um, and all of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, there are definitely going to be physical changes that are shared between substance use and um, eating disorders. So a big one might be like significant change in weight, whether it's like weight loss, weight gain, um, those sorts of, um, yeah, like drastic uh, fluctuations in weight can be a component of both. Um, you also are going to see an impairment in your social relationships, most likely. So um, both eating disorders and substance use can be very isolating things to deal with. And so um, it might be like withdrawal from certain social situations or relationships. Um, you also might be using these behaviors to engage like in relationships and in your social life. So you might have the feeling of like, I can't um, I can't attend this event unless I am using substances or I have to be using eating disorder behaviors in order to maintain my relationships, my responsibilities, because without it, I feel like it's all just going to come crumbling down. Um, and so you, you're probably going to see some shift in, in terms of like your social uh, relationships. I'm trying to think, I mean, irritability is another big one. So when you are using both eating disorder behaviors and substances, you're going to be probably more on edge, especially when those things might not be an option. So like when you are suddenly not having access to substances, that irritability and anxiousness is going to skyrocket. Um, and then, I mean, same with the eating disorder, when you are malnourished, you're probably not going to be a super pleasant person to be around. And so those are all things that you can see in both in both eating disorders and substance use. Yeah, definitely. It's it's crazy how overlapped they truly are. And 
again, I'm super happy that we're having this conversation to kind of talk about that because um, I think people can often think, oh, I'm just struggling with substance use. And then they kind of don't want to talk about the fact that they're also struggling with body image and their relationship with food or vice versa. And, and it can be taboo or weird and no one's really talking about it. But um, I think also an interesting point that you mentioned was the kind of reverse of what I would think is the social situation. So like, I can't go or I can't do this unless I did this and this. So it's really interesting to kind of think about how certain, um, I guess, behaviors or minds might think um, how to, how to deal yeah. with that. Yeah. I mean, those, those behaviors can really be used as a crutch. And that's why, you know, thinking back to, to earlier talking about focusing on all the things, it can be really overwhelming because it might feel like you're having your your crutch taken away from you, right? Like the thought of entering into some sort of social situation without your your main thing that you use to cope can be terrifying. And so, yeah, there can be a lot of barriers to being able to let go of, of all the things you use. And I think that can create a real sense of panic in folks when they're maybe entering into treatment or they're, they're finally getting help for something that they're struggling with is like, it's read as a threat, right? Like you're taking away my ability to be okay. Um, and so that's why when when I think about like, what are some of the, the main um, messages we're wanting to communicate when, when we're working through these issues? One I think of is like, how can we find relief in the midst of all that you are, in the midst of all the suffering, right? Because like that is what, one of the main functions of behaviors of, of substance use is, is like that finding that relief from, from pain um, that relief from distress. And so if there are ways we can introduce relief in healthier, more adaptive ways, that that's going to do wonders in trying to mitigate that sense of panic of like, you're, you're taking away the things that I yeah. use. Um, yeah. And also like, yeah, when you talk about the overlap, I think that's a thing, an important thing to point out, I mean, statistics wise, it's something like half of individuals with eating disorders have dealt with some sort of like substance misuse or, or risky substance use in their lives. And then on the flip side, um, around a third of people who deal with addiction or dependence on substances uh, have dealt with disordered eating as well. And so those rates are much higher than just your the general population. And so this really is something that you're seeing a lot in terms of um, populations, demographics, like the, the rates are a lot higher. And so it's something that I think is important to talk about and address. Yeah, the numbers, they don't lie and they don't discriminate for sure. Um, it's, it's huge. And so kind of, I guess for those listening and for those who are curious who may know someone who's struggling or they themselves might be struggling, um, what can you do to find resources, find help? What does recovery look like? And kind of even if you want to speak more to that relief, what does it look like? I guess just having grace for yourself, grace for your friend. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting when talking about like that, that grace and that relief, I think something that has been tricky definitely in the past, and I think still today, is oftentimes, 
eating disorders and substance use, they're treated from very different perspectives. So historically with eating disorders, there is gonna be a lot of attention on self-compassion, um, a lot of attention given to shame reduction, which are very important things, very good things to focus on in eating disorders. And then with the substance use world, there's a lot of focus on personal responsibility and on um, the role that you have played in your addiction, which again, very important. We need to talk about personal responsibility. But I think what that can often lead to in, in either end is, you know, in eating disorders, sometimes there can be um, almost like a lack of responsibility taken. I hear that a lot when I when I hear people talking about the eating disorder as like a separate entity, you know? Um, I think about the book, uh, Life Without Ed, which I think there's like some merit to, um, you know, some of the, the instruction and, and lessons given in that book. But I also think, you know, kind of conceptualizing the eating disorder as this separate entity can can kind of strip away the the power that you have to, to mm -hmm. do something different and to choose recovery. Um, on the flip side with substance use, I think the, the hyper focus on personal responsibility can lead to a lot of shaming and can lead to a lot of like, well, I'm just a screw up and I am a worthless person. And so what I would love to see, and I think a lot of places are doing is a, a combination of the approaches where there is a focus on self-compassion and there's a focus on shame reduction and there's a focus on personal responsibility and like the steps that you can take to do something different. And so I think for folks who are dealing with both, it can kind of feel jarring if you are getting help in these very different environments. So someone might leave an AA meeting and they might feel, um, you know, really, really seen and really understood, but they also might feel an amount of like guilt or shame that might not necessarily be super helpful. Um, and so when they enter into eating disorder treatment, they might be like, what on earth is this about? Like uh, this, everything mm -hmm. is so proofy and like, just love yourself and just have compassion to yourself. Like that doesn't track for me at all. And so I think a combination of the approaches is, is really important. Um, and as it pertains to like what you can do either for yourself or, or things that you can share with a friend, I mean, I do think first and foremost, like finding a, a therapist who um, maybe even if they don't specialize with both, like they have experience with both. Um, and that's actually more common than you would think, like people who specialize in both eating disorders and substance use because there is so much overlap. So I think, you know, looking on psychology today, you can filter by um, experience and specialties. So if you are able to find someone who has experience with eating disorders and substance use, I think that would be super helpful. I think also, especially with the substance, or I mean, with the eating disorder piece, finding uh, a registered dietitian who specializes in eating disorders. Um, the, the NIDA website, National Eating Disorders Association website, is super helpful in finding resources in your area. Uh, and then also sober support meetings, AA, NA, um, while they're not perfect, I think that they have been doing what they're, they've been doing for a very long time. And there's a reason for that. A lot of people do find it super helpful. There are also non 12 step oriented sober support meetings. Um, Recovery Dharma, I know is one that has programs in, in different areas. I know there's one in Birmingham. And so if like the 12 step ideology is not really for you, um, 
you know, there are options outside of that framework um, that you might find helpful. Nice. You've got me taking notes over here. So I'm putting up all of these resources in the show notes. You'll see those um, at the end of the episode or kind of right now if you want to. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for those great resources. And I really do think that the combination between both the responsibility part and aspect of the substance use recovery, because during I only went through eating disorder treatment recovery. And uh, I mean, I did appreciate the part where, you know, I'm not the one completely doing this to myself, like, because yes, shame reduction is definitely helpful in the recovery process, because you don't need to be beating yourself up while you're trying to recover. And I see, I see that. But I think, I think, um, throughout the recovery process, I was like, how am I supposed to recover if this isn't something that I have put on myself? Like I felt as though kind of things would just work out. Um, and so I did have to come to this point and I think it was just realizing it myself that I had to choose recovery and choose getting better every day. So I do like the thought of combining both of those together. And I think talking about that more. And for, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are starting to realize that in the therapist and nutritionist and dietitian realm, um, whatever that <laughs> realm is called care. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's good. That's exciting to see that. Yeah. Something that I, someone told me once, and I, I really love this. And I think it applies to both the eating disorder and substance use, but it was said in the context of the eating disorder is, is, no one chooses to have an eating disorder, but you can choose recovery, right? You can choose what to do um, today in the present. And so I think that applies to substance use and that no one wakes up and they're like, I want to be addicted to something like that would be a very um, unique choice to make. Mm -hmm. But um, you, you can choose what to do. You can choose to get help. You can choose to, to reach out and ask for support, even though that might be a really difficult choice to make. And there are going to be a lot of barriers keeping you from doing that. And that's really like what I think about um, when I, when I consider the treatment process is like, how can we remove as many barriers as we can to, to empower someone to make that choice of, of mm -hmm. recovery? Mm-hmm. Kind of want to tap into, um, like, what are these barriers that you might be seeing? Is it, you know, diet culture? Is it pressures from society, especially? Um, is it often young people? And what are young people facing today? Um, expectations upon themselves causing this, these behaviors to happen? Um, kind of what, what are you seeing just as a therapist? Yep. Yeah. I mean, diet culture is a big one. Um, the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And so um, that's a pretty big barrier for a lot of people is this idea of um, the ideal of thinness and um, control over your body and, and what you eat. Um, so I think that is a pretty significant barrier for a lot of people. I also think the message of um, it's bad to have needs is one that I see, especially with that overlap of eating disorders and substance use of like, I don't want to depend on others. I don't want to have to communicate my needs. Here are some ways I can meet my own needs, even though it's 
a very imperfect way of meeting my needs and it actually ends up doing more harm in the long run, um, there obviously is a function for that, right? Like thinking back to that shame reduction lens, understanding that function is super important in being able to choose something different because at some point in time, you this is what you were doing because this is this was meeting a need, right? So I think shifting that perspective towards like, it's okay to have needs and it's okay um, to, to reach out for support um, is, is something that like shifting that perspective can be a, a big barrier for um, a lot of folks. I also think, you know, there are a lot of social uh, factors keeping someone stuck in, in their pattern. So, um, you know, there is a lot of stigma for both eating disorders and substance use. So I'm sure everyone is familiar with, with stereotypes towards both of those populations. And when you are considered um, an addict or a junkie, or when you are considered um, purely based on your body size, that that can be really dehumanizing and that can lead to a lot more shame, which can lead to being a lot more stuck in whatever your pattern is. And so I think those social factors are huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's even harder when you're in periods of transition and you are so vulnerable to what others are thinking about you uh, because you yourself are trying to figure out what you think about yourself. And so it's okay to struggle and you are okay. You are human. You do have needs. Um, and yeah, definitely like knowing that you're not alone, reaching out for help and then, um, kind of also playing a part in not being the person that's feeding into the culture and the stigma and, and kind of, I mean, we can be super judgmental and, um, say comments that we're not really aware of ourselves. And so I think we could also play a part in helping our friends who we don't know if they're struggling or not. So being mindful about our speech and, and our behaviors ourselves. Yes. Yeah. The more you can learn, the more you can educate yourself, the better. Um, I'm a big believer that, you know, when there are systems at play that are perpetuating stigma and stereotypes, people are capable of being both like on the receiving end of that, like the victims of that stigma and also the, um, the perpetrators of that. So I think that we are all capable intentionally or unintentionally of, of perpetuating that. So yeah, education, um, increasing your, your knowledge of these things is super important. Yeah, definitely. Well, Garrett, this has been so great. I want to be super mindful of your time and everything today, but do you have any kind of last words, any, um, things that you've heard about recently or words of wisdom or encouragement for our, our listeners? So in terms of things I've heard about recently, I just read a book. It is definitely more geared towards the substance use piece, but there are, you know, some elements that I think can be applied to eating disorders as well. It's called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts by uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, and it was fantastic. Loved it. So if you're interested in learning more about like the mechanisms at play in uh, addiction and substance use, that is a really good read. Um, it also goes into kind of like the social factors, like I was mentioning, like what are uh, the, the factors that keep someone stuck in, in these patterns? And so 
I think that was a very unique book in that it did really hold both the personal responsibility and the shame reduction, which I mm. thought was was super cool. And then, I mean, in terms of, you know, final words for folks, I think just remembering that you are not the only one dealing with what you're what you're dealing with. Like there is a reason, you know, we we wanted to talk about uh, both of these things, and it's because there there is a common root and um if we're not addressing that root like we're we're ignoring like what's keeping both of these things going and so reaching out for help reaching out for support um and knowing you're not alone yeah oh, so good so big this has been such a good conversation i'm really excited to share it and for those listening, please feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, we're here and um, got those resources down below. Thanks for listening. And maybe we'll have you on again <laughs> for another topic. I would love to. but yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.